Hello, and welcome to Mr. Information, a trivia podcast for gents and ladies who love cool trivia and sticking it to annoying teams of pub quiz. We're your hosts. I'm Steve. And I'm Josh. Hi, Josh. Hey, Steve. How's it going? It's pretty good. I mean, there's been a lot that's happened in our, in our lives since our, our episode last year. It's good to see you again. It's good to see you. Episode number two, our yeah. one-year anniversary, our Easter episode. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is not for another three weeks. I don't know. Someone, oh, someone we, should do an episode about that or whatever. I don't, I, okay. I don't know why that is. But uh, yeah, it's been a, been a big year. It has been both, a big year. Both got married. You got married. I got year. married. Yeah, that was pretty cool. That was a lot of fun. We went to Las Vegas. I mean, I went to Las Vegas twice. You went twice. I went once. Thank you, everyone, for meeting us at Geek Bowl. Yeah. Uh, made a lot of new friends. Yeah, we all made t-shirts. That was fun. Um, you're the street team. I was the street team. And I was for the, a, uh, the tall boy. It yeah. was great. It was good. It was, it was a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, so we're, you know, it's, it's only episode two here, Steve. We're still, we're, we're learning still working our stride. Out. Yeah. We're working out the format. I heard, I heard episode one was a little rough, but yeah, I think two episodes in, we should be pretty. That's how these things go. The, the beginnings are always a little shaky and then you really find your footing. Yeah. Right. People tell me I wanted to. I want to start listening to Mr. Information. Like, what episode should I start from? And I just say, well, just listen to the listen to like a topic you're interested in. Listen yeah, to the exactly. most recent one. You don't have to go all the way back to episode no, no, no. It's one. Just pick and choose. You know, pick and mix, as they say. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. I don't. I don't know the bit the binge watch phenomenon. It just doesn't doesn't fly on podcasts for me. But yeah, so we're uh, we're sitting here. We're we're hitting our stride. We're drinking a beer. Hmm. Yeah, I found a great uh, looking IPA from Single Cut Beersmiths, and it's called "Are You Ready, Steve?" Yes, the IPA. Oh, but actually, I'm going to go first, so I should have found a beer called "Are You Ready, Josh?" So, no. anyway, so it goes. Anyway, uh, we were looking at uh, what topic I wanted to do, and one thing that comes up a lot with Julia, even though she works at the Strong Museum of Play, works with some video games. Uh, it seems like fighting games can come up like a trivia. It geeks who drank a lot. Sure. And she, yeah. Kaplow. Is it Street Fighter? Is it Mortal Kombat? It's so clear to me, but how can I, how can I pass some of that knowledge along? So today, uh, we're going to talk about some fighting games. Great. How about that? Everybody was kung fu fighting. Those kids were fast as lightning. Okay, so I'm going to talk about... The four, I think the four big ones that you got to know. Um, and we're going to start with Street Fighter. I'm sure you've heard of that. I've heard of Street Fighter, yes. Yeah. Okay. That's a good one. But I bet you've probably only heard of Street Fighter 2 and and on. Yes. It's an arcade game I played at uh, a HOTS location getting a garbage plate at 3 in the morning. Mm-hmm. Great. And that that's it's one of those things that always trips me up at trivia is what what was Street Fighter 1? Was there even a Street Fighter 1? It turns out I found out there was. So, 1987, released by Capcom in the arcade, um was a pretty basic thing. It was you could only play as one character or if you were the second player, you would be uh well you were you were Ryu if you were the first player. He's in every Street Fighter, very famous. Uh yeah, there's Ken for player two, Ken. Ken, yes, is his buddy, who's basically his double. But you know, um, 
wears red instead of white. That's Ken. He's got Ryu's blonde hair. White. Ryu, white, white karate uh, gi. Get up. Yeah, gi. Uh, yeah, but um, everything else was just you were playing against computer fighting characters. So you know, people people could see there was something there. It was still a, there weren't a lot of games like that, but it came out. The only home console it came to in North America was the TurboGrafx CD. That's pretty obscure. I've never even heard of it. It wasn't even called Street Fighter. You know what it was called? No. Fighting Street. <laughs> okay. This this is real. Uh, it's the street on which you fight. It's the street on which you fight. Um, but it, it did have a lot of those those series hallmarks. The uh, the Hadoken or the Surge Fist attack. I do know that. I've, I've yeah, heard about that from one. the popular culture. The Shoryuken or the Rising Dragon Fist. And um, yeah. So th- there's only one paragraph about the original Street Fighter on Wikipedia summarizing the series. It's pretty crazy. So but, it barely um, existed. Humble origins. But in 1991, Street Fighter II, the World Warrior. Um, these numbers are hard to measure, but uh, one article I could find said that there were about 200,000 cabinets sold, which wow. is pretty good. Um, it estimates that uh, it made about $2.3 billion in revenue by 1995, so in four years. That's pretty good, but, I mean, it is really hard to measure this stuff, you know? You got to go in. How do you know how many quarters are getting pumped into a machine? There's no way of knowing. There's no way. We barely had the internet back then. Uh, Plus, you know, piracy. That was was a thing in the 90s. How do you pirate a game cabinet? You could do it. I mean, they were all... um, they're all pretty standardized what the controls are like. So you all just right. get you get an arcade board that's maybe another Capcom game or or maybe a counterfeit of that or something. You put the Street Fighter game in it and and there you go. You right. Street Fighter two. Um but that that's a lot of money. That's I mean it's pretty much King of the Arcades. I think it's only second to Pac Man, but yeah, that's that's up there. So that was uh that gave you eight characters that you could play as, not just you know, one that you were always stuck as, depending Ken, on what player always you Ken. Were. Yeah. I mean, they were there. Don't get me wrong. Um, but that was a big deal. Uh, given that it was called the World Warrior, they really leaned into that theme. They had to start adding characters from around the world. Um, and they all had pretty different fighting styles. So you had Ryu representing Japan. Uh, Ken was from the U.S. Uh, but then you had uh, Chun-Li, a martial artist from China pretty famous character had a had a very bad movie made about chun Li starring Kristen crook all right uh very bad at knowing how much things are worth to pawn yeah and man trying to think of when i saw it it was it was it was probably a mid-2000s probably saw this movie in college just just awful um there was a street fighter movie i think also in the 90s i didn't see it but i think i remember seeing that yeah there's definitely a challenge with this is the the mega franchise didn't exist yet, you know? But this wasn't Fighting Street 2. This was Street Fighter 2. Right. Well, what I'm saying is, you know, nowadays, we figured it out. You got to release your Iron Man movie. You got to put out your Hulk movie and your Thor movie. And then you can do the Avengers. Right. And then, you know, you, you release, you know, a couple dozen movies before you do the big team up. Because we've got to get to know everybody yeah. first. Sure. So the movies, they, we hadn't figured that out yet, that that's how you're supposed to release movies. So it, they just tried to put 
a dozen characters into one movie. Everybody's got to have some screen time. It, it's, it's a big mess. It doesn't work. So, you know, unfortunately, didn't, didn't turn into a big movie franchise, but good game franchise. Uh, other notable characters, you got uh, Guile, G-U-I-L-E. I'm still not even sure how to pronounce that, but he was the... Uh, he was in uh he was in the military fatigues. He had the blonde flat top. He could shoot a sonic boom attack. He's, you know, another one representing America. And uh do you remember Blanca? Do you know Blanca? No. Uh Blanca represented the country of Brazil. Uh I believe a legend goes that he was hit by an airplane, was in a plane crash. Turned him green, gave him electricity powers. All super and, normal. And he fights for Brazil. That's your that's your representative. Um, yeah, no, he's he's a fan favorite. Um, they also there's there's a really interesting thing. I think you get a lot of tr- good trivia out of like old Japanese games just due to like translation mm-hmm. stuff, or they had to change something in a different region. And this is no exception. Um, they they cycled the names of three of the boss characters. So, in America, we know M. Bison to be the the military psychic evil guy. He's got, like, a cape. He's got a beret on. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, kind of a weird name. Uh, in Japan, they call him Vega. I mean, not any more fitting, but sure. I don't know. Sure. Uh, but in America, Vega is a guy who's kind of like a Wolverine ripoff. Uh, he's got like claws. He wears a mask. He shreds around, mm-hmm. and that's cool. But in Japan, he's called Balrog. But in America, Balrog is a boxer. He's a uh, he's an African American. He's a boxer, and in Japan, that's who they call M Bison. This is all very confusing. And then it well, that's when it should start to click. Is you've named your boxer character M Bison. And a very popular American boxer, Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson. You can get away with that in Japan, but apparently in America, they did not want to get sued for sure. just putting Mike Tyson everything into the, the game left. and changing his name by a letter. Uh, yeah, so things are just confusing between the regions uh, forever. I don't know. I, I'm not sure if they've... I'm pretty sure we don't call him Vega. I think, I think the big bad guy is still M. Bison, despite that that's... Uh, yeah, doesn't really make sense as a name. Hmm. Anyway, uh, yeah, so I think that's some fun. That's some fun trivia to know. Um, so an interesting thing about this too is they um, they made they made all that money. They sold all those cabinets by um, sort of doing almost like yearly. Like people make fun of Madden for doing it now, but if you look at Street Fighter back in the day, I just made a little list here. You got Street Fighter Two: The World Warrior. You got Street Fighter Two: Champion Edition. You got Street Fighter Two: Turbo Hyper Fighting. You got Super Street Fighter 2, the new challengers, and Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo were all released within within months of each other. So all Street Fighter 2. Yep. All never Street, a Street Fighter, Fighter 3 in this mix, but no, just not variations until later. on a theme. Yeah. So, the, the, I mean, it's an interesting, interesting strategy. It keeps things fresh. It keeps people coming into the arcades, and you're not, you know, on version 9 or whatever by sure. the time, you know, that, that it's barely out. Um, I think a lot of that was, uh, apparently in it, in addition to being easy to pirate things, it was also, you can modify cabinets too. So those hyper fighting boards were to combat, like some people had figured out how to overclock 
so they just the board and just run it really fast and stuff. So they're like, oh, well, it's like hard mode Tetris, you know? Uh, yeah. So yeah, that went on for I think four years before they moved on. But yeah, they they sort of they really were good at spinning plates. Like that's that's why I I'm I'm not going to spend as much time talking about any of the other games because they could really they could really pump out the content here. Um. They went with the Street Fighter Alpha series in 1995, and then that was annualized. There was Alpha 2, Alpha 3, right. etc. They put out Street Fighter EX in 1996, which was a foray into 3D, and we'll get into why they were pushed into 3D uh, in a little bit here. Uh, they did a whole bunch of crossovers. They did X-Men versus Street Fighter. That led sure. to... I don't have enough time to get into it, but the Marvel versus Capcom series, mm-hmm. very yes. big, very popular tag team fighting. Uh, that started in 1996. And then in 1997, they finally did Street Fighter 3, and that had a bunch of versions of Street Fighter 3. So when was Street Fighter 2 come out again? 1991. Okay. So yeah, they, they spent a while um, between that kind of doing offshoots, but they were, all, they were all more, except for EX, they were all 2D fighters, very similar. Uh, Street Fighter 3... I don't know. I don't know if it was that popular. I seem to remember two being. Yeah, two's the main one. I that's remember. the main one. It did sound like in Street Fighter Three they they threw out all the characters except for Ken and Ryu, mm-hmm. and that's that's never going to be a very popular yeah. thing. You know, play the hits. Yeah, you built that brand. You got to use it. Yeah. Uh, finally, they uh, the franchise was kind of dormant for a while. Street Fighter Four came out in two thousand eight on your Xbox three hundred and sixty and whatnot. Um, that used that was rendered in 3D, but still, you know, on a 2D fighting plane, using the uh, cell shading technique to sort of make it look animated. Sure. More than it was, more than EX was, and then uh, Street Fighter Five, 2016. So they they've taken their time, but even then, that that Street Fighter Four, you know, there's Super Street Fighter Four, there's Ultra right, Street right, Fighter right. Four, now there's Street Fighter Five Arcade Edition. They they can't help themselves. So there's up to time. Street Fighter Five. Yeah. But in all of the Oh, uh, there's there's dozens there's, of these things. Yeah. yeah. But hey, interesting strategy. Worked uh, seems to have worked. But um so there were there were other cam- there were other companies out in the uh, the arcade space and they saw the success of Street Fighter Two and they said, we gotta get something out there. And one of those companies was Midway, uh, known for making a lot of pinball machines, I think with Bally and Williams, I think they were all. Julia can certainly tell you more about this because she works with all of them, but they were all together in Chicago in some way. Um, so in 1992, a year after Street Fighter, what comes out? Say it with me. Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat. Ah, all right. You remembered I had to, had to do some of those. It's a popular bit. It is a popular bit. Say it bit. with me. Yeah. Uh, so this was created... By Ed Boon, John Tobias at Midway in Chicago. So this is your American counterpart to the to the Japanese okay, yeah. Street Fighter. Uh, the tagline on the poster: "So real it hurts." Terrifying. Pretty good. Yeah, pretty terrifying. Uh, so the big hallmark of this is that while Street Fighter, you know, had artists uh, drawing the sprites for the characters, Mortal Kombat they got actors, they dressed them up in costumes, and they took a bunch of pictures of them and digitize them and put them into a computer. Yeah, this was the uh, FMV sort of style. Yeah, kind of. sort of. Um, and then I think some of them 
were I think in Mortal Kombat and Mortal Two and Mortal Kombat Three they started mixing in some claymation figures. That's where you get the people with forearms and six arms. You know, those weren't actors, but yeah. Um, so yeah, very different style. So the the main hallmarks between telling between you know Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat is is it is it animated or is it a picture that you're seeing there? Right. And uh, how bloody is it that's that that was a big thing that's what i remember yeah again so real it hurts uh moral combat definitely known for you know blood when you hit somebody yeah you like pull someone's skull out oh sure spines attached and yeah so that uh very popular in the american market uh for the original moral combat twenty four thousand cabinets sold and 570 million of revenue estimated by 2002 um, they weren't scared of just going up in a number every year, though. So, Mortal Kombat two next year, nineteen ninety three, even more sells even more, twenty seven thousand cabinets, six hundred million dollars of revenue by two thousand two. Um, but yeah, definitely that that was the era in the U.S. where we were we were talking about violence in video games. Mm-hmm. Is it too much? Um, and I think one of the things that were was kind of infamous was when this went to come to home consoles. Nintendo, not a fan of all that violence. No. They uh, allowed it, but they had to turn the blood green, I think. Okay. Which, you know, we all know what it is. It's yeah, silly. it's Vulcan blood. People figured out some, some game genie codes, I think, to change it back to red. <laughs> but, yeah, that was one of those things. And that was, I think, where Sega, you know, they're not, they're not still in the hardware game, but where they sort of got their edge on Nintendo in the 90s was they were... They were the more adult, you know, they're they don't edgy. shy away from the violence. Yeah, they're edgy. Um, so who are some notable characters from Mortal Kombat? You got Sub-Zero. Mm-hmm. He's a ninja. He's got ice powers. I think he's probably the most popular. Like, I bought a Halloween costume for Sub-Zero at Walmart. Like, what? He, there's, a, there's a ninja who's, like, in blue, and there's one who's in red. Or- yes. And they were all, uh, I, did, I did note this, same actor. Sure. Played all of them. Yeah. yeah he's the sense. ninja in blue. That's Sub-Zero. There's a ninja in yellow. That's Scorpion. There was one in green, I think. Is that Chameleon? I don't know. I didn't write these down. Uh, and he was also... Yeah, I'd have to look it up. There was a there was a character who was the same actor, not in a costume. Mm. There were a couple, a couple characters... Maybe it was Liu Kang. Maybe it was Johnny Cage, the Hollywood actor. I don't know. It was either him and his brother, like, played, yeah, played the majority of characters. So these seem more like uh, wrestling names than, yeah. like, people names. Right. In this versus Mortal Kombat. Oh, yeah. Or versus uh, Street Fighter, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who else did I write down? Uh, you got Special Forces agent Sonya Blade, um, Raiden, the God of Thunder, who's wearing a. Kind of as a reference to the to the Asian origins, I think of some of these things. He's wearing the the conical hat. Okay, yep. Sort of. I think you see that on the on like a rice farmer. It's associated with and and all. Uh, yeah, it was, it was, I looked at the Wikipedia article. It just said Asian conical hat. I said, all right, all right, seems, sure. Seems summed up. I thought there'd be a more exciting name to that hat. I don't know got a lot of good hats there's a lot, a lot of, of other a lot of other hats have good names pork pie delicious <laughs> uh what else you got there deer stalker 
Deer stalker. That's yeah. a, that's a pretty badass sounding hat. You got bowler. You got Stetson. Bowler, Stetson. Yeah, conical hat. It was just like all right. Well, yeah, I was a little disappointed there wasn't a, a more exciting name to that, but so it goes. Um, yeah. So another big thing, uh, Mortal Kombat known for. It's in Street Fighter when you when you drain somebody's life bar, that's it. That's game over. You You're won. Done. Mortal Kombat. You're getting that. Finish him. Over over the uh from the announcer there. And that's uh that was another trademark of the series and you know, the thing that that, w- that it was so known for, all that violence. You had fatalities. Mm-hmm. You could enter a special special button combination and then yeah, like you referenced you know, rip somebody's spine out or do something crazy. Right. But, you know, they, they Mortal Kombat was not a series afraid to poke fun at itself. In Mortal Kombat 2, you got babalities. You turn somebody into a baby. <laughs> uh, I think Mortal Kombat 3 added animalities, where I think you turned into, like, your spirit animal and then sure. did something at them. Uh, there was brutalities, where you'd hit them and then their body would just explode. Uh, apparently those are very hard to do, uh, from what I read. Yeah. Uh, see, the thing with these fatalities was your, your opponent would stand there stunned. And like, if you press the wrong button and just tap them, they're dead. That's it. You missed your chance. You gotta you do it right. You gotta enter the whole, the whole combo. Yeah. Very tricky. Uh, and it also had friendships. You could, That's uh, nice. Yeah, you can extend a hand. You could drop like an arcade machine down and play on it together or something. All <laughs> kinds of fun, fun things just to just to have the end of that yang there. Um, yeah, so that's Mortal Kombat. Um, still a popular ongoing franchise. I think there's a big one coming out this year. Um, the team at Midway that made these has since been purchased by Warner Brothers who has the uh, the DC comic movies. So they have also started making some fighting games with the DC characters called Injustice. For a little while, they were alternating between a Mortal Kombat and an Injustice game. Um, but yeah, they're, they're pretty successful still. Um, so the third big fighting game, released in 1994 by Namco, that's Tekken. Tekken. Yes. And that's one of the first 3D animated fighting games. Mortal Kombat, you know, it's made the move, but it started out as a 2D game. Right. Street Fighter, yeah, started out as 2D, it's 3D now. But yeah, this game was actually, this game was never in 2D. So good good thing to know there. Um, and it also did sort of let you like sidestep, sort of shift the plane on which okay. you were fighting. So new exciting way to dodge or, or things like that. Um and this was one where it got really popular uh, around the same time as the PlayStation came out. So this was big as far as home home sure. releases go. Because a lot of the time, you know, back in the early 90s, the arcade was a lot better than what you had at home. Yeah, obviously, you that didn't was, have that kind of tech at home. Yeah, that was, that was a big deal. Like, that's... Uh, I don't really have anything in here about Punch-Out, the uh, classic NES boxing game. Also with Mike Tyson in it, but officially licensed Mike Tyson. <laughs> uh, in the arcade, your boxer character was like a translucent like sort of guy. So you could see through him to right. where your opponent was and you were, fu- you were in like a normal boxing match. They couldn't do transparency on the NES. So they instead decided to make him tiny. 
Ah, that's, that's why, why he's called Little Mac is because he had to be so small so you could see how your opponent was setting up moves. Right. Because in the yeah in the arcade game they were square with each other. It was just one guy was was kind of more like a I think he was like a green like grid person. Yeah, like a ghost man. Yeah, like a ghost man. Um, so you know it did so, sometimes it did lead to some cool uh, gameplay ideas like that, but a lot of the times it just was like a worse game when you bought it. Uh, than the arcade version. But Tekken, pretty close to PlayStation hardware. Certainly a little better in the arcades, but very successful. Uh, Tekken 3, I think, is where it really broke through. And uh, apparently that is the best-selling fighting game ever when we're talking about home All right. copies. It sold, like, I think it was... I didn't write it down, but I think it was like 8 million, something like that. And that's a, you know... that's That was, that was a pretty popular game. Um, notable characters... Uh, you got, I did, I, I did have to, I will admit, I think the main guy is Kazuya, but I'm not sure. Wow. I think, yeah. Tekken is a little known, a little more known for the weird ones. You got Yoshimitsu and Haihachi. I know those are big ones. There's a guy named Law who really just looks like Bruce Lee. So, you know, it would be hard for them to make him the main guy right. on all the art because it's like well that's it's just bruce lee you're just ripping off bruce lee uh that there's a character named king uh he's a catholic priest who now wears a tiger head as a mask uh and has a big cape and it's a big big burly guy with the head of a tiger that's a pretty cool character design sure the, there's a character called kuma that's that's just a bear you know pretty interesting fighting style i guess some more animals in this one yeah it's got some animal stuff it's it's a little weird um tekken 3 probably the the big character you know there is uh eddie gordo who did brazilian capoeira fighting okay um i think that was a famous dane cook bit too so really made made that mainstream breakthrough because that that was early dane cook right yeah he was he did a lot of that you know remember this kind of humor I think it was a bit about uh, you get hit by a car or something, and you're flipping through the air like you're Eddie Gordo from Tekken, and you don't you're just mashing the buttons and big laugh that connected with the audience because <laughs> eight point three million people bought Tekken three. Um, but yeah, that was that was uh, I think that's where that's most notable. Um, so yeah, I, d- I definitely played a lot of Tekken three in the arcades. I'd pick Eddie every time. It's like, inst- what if instead of just standing there, even when you weren't pressing a button, what if he was like dancing, dance, moving around, moving yeah. those feet hard to hit. It's just a, a satisfying feeling character to do. Like you press two buttons and he flips up onto his hands and you're doing a handstand and you're <laughs> kicking people with your feet that are where your hands should be. And that's pretty good. Yeah. All right. That's yeah, fun. That was a lot of fun. Like I wasn't any good at it, but it was satisfying. Um, all right. So the, uh, the fourth Big one we're going to talk about. Um, this one never appeared in the arcades. It's Super Smash Brothers, released in 1999 for the Nintendo 64. Um, 3D graphics, but just just on a 2D plane. No, right. no crazy sidestepping stuff like Tekken. Um, and this one, uh, just a you know, just a few releases since it is almost two decades old at this point. Um, you had the original in 1999. In 2001, you had Melee on the GameCube. 2008, Smash Brothers Brawl on the Wii. 
2014 was Super Smash Brothers for Wii U and Super Smash Brothers for Nintendo 3DS, but just call it Smash Four. They're the same game. Yeah, it's a little quicker to say. And uh, last year, 2018, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate on the Nintendo Switch. Uh, The big innovation of this game every every other game we've talked about, you've got you got a health bar at the top of the screen, right? Right. This game, no health bar. No health bar. No, you've got uh, instead at the bottom of the screen, there's a little percentage counter for how much you've been hit, and then um, yeah, the whole thing is to to beat somebody, you want to knock them off the stage. So the higher your counter goes, the easier it is to launch. Right, right, right. Your opponent off. But you can sometimes, you know, if someone's just hitting you with a bunch of little small hits, you can you can run that number up to like 200% before you get blown off. Hmm. Um, or if you get in sudden death with someone, I think it puts you both 300. So like as soon as someone gets hit, you just... Right, you're gone. You're gone. You're flying. That's a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, that's... I mean, no other games are really doing that kind of thing. So good on them to come up with a totally new... New scheme there, um, yeah. And it's no since it is Nintendo, they try to make it make it simple to learn, but complex to master. So, you know, a lot of these other games, they have you've got your low kick or medium kick, heavy kick, light punch, medium punch, heavy punch, block button, jump button. Smash Brothers, you got you got two buttons. You got you got the button that does your basic. Smash attacks. That's just punches, kicks, etc. Yeah. And then you got a button that does special attacks. Like if you're Mario, that's gonna throw a, fa- a fireball. If you're Kirby, that's gonna suck somebody in. If it's Donkey Kong, it's gonna charge up your rotating fist to punch somebody with. But ton ton of complexity there if you actually know what you're what you're doing. But less but, memorization of button yeah, combinations. Right. There's nothing like. Um, oh yeah, I had a note about this. Like in Street Fighter, you want to do a Hadouken. You gotta like you gotta do what they call the QCF, right? Okay. Quarter, circle, forward. You're taking that arcade joystick, you're pulling it down, you're moving it in a quarter circle forward, and then you're hitting punch, and then you're gonna hit that head oaken. Yeah. Nothing like that in Smash yeah, Brothers. Complicated. You, you press a button, you press a direction. That's something it. happens. Yeah, something happens. Uh but yeah, it's still, you know, big big tournament game, so got plenty of plenty of complexity. Not really much to talk about here in the way of notable characters, though. Every character in it is pretty much from another game, right? Yeah. Right. Mario, Link, Samus, Kirby. There's not a Smash Brother character. No, not really. Mr. Smash. Nope. Uh, one thing about it, though, is it is not just Nintendo characters. Uh, Smash Brothers Brawl on the Wii brought in Sonic the Hedgehog and Snake from Metal Gear Solid. That was a pretty big deal. Um, and then, uh, in smash four, you got Mega Man and Pac-Man from, uh, yeah, from Capcom's Mega Man and Namco's Pac-Man. Um, that's what I want to say about this. Yeah. And that's really, that's, that's mostly what I got on smash brothers. Um, I did try to sort of do what Julia does and come up with like some little, little rhymes to try to try to help you remember these things. You know, those are. This can be helpful. So if it's a sprite that says Hadoken, that's Street Fighter, my good friend. Uh, if okay. it's blood, if blood and gore are on the screen, it's Mortal Kombat, even when green. 
Uh, <laughs> if it's never in 2D, that's Tekken that you see. Uh, and if not a bar, but a percent, that's a Super Smash Brothers, gent. So That's very good. I'm not as good at those as no, I Julia, appreciate them, and I learned a lot. I think that wraps it up, and hopefully she'll listen to this and know uh, which one is which. So yeah, what have uh, what do you got today? Well, uh, thank you. First of all, I I think I never played Tekken for sure, and I've played those other three a little bit, but I certainly couldn't remember them in my head. And now I think I I really will be able to. Yeah, and then uh, in my quiz coming up, I went into there's there's so many out there to talk about. So we're gonna yeah we're gonna talk about maybe some more obscure things in the quiz. So look forward to that. All right, so for my topic, uh, I was doing some spring cleaning, as you do, mm-hmm. and I brought in a prop. Uh, can you tell me what I have here in my hands? You have a clear plastic case of playing cards. Playing cards. And I looked at it, and I thought, why is that there? How did that get there? Mm-hmm. And then I looked at the other side, and it says, uh, a perfect pair, Dylan and Lee. And I remembered I got this at a wedding. Okay. Uh, shout out to Dylan and Lee. Sure. Uh, big fans. And uh, I was actually then curious, you know, what about the playing cards themselves? What's mm-hmm. the story behind there? Because I don't really know, like, sort of how we got to uh, where we are, sort of our playing cards that we have. So I thought I'd do a quick dive into uh, what's going on with playing cards. I'm a joker. I'm a smoker. I'm a midnight toker. So uh, here's, here's what I learned, and then I'm going to now teach to you, my friend Josh. All right. Playing cards were invented in, say it with me, China. 1990. Oh, okay. Yep. We weren't going for a year. Place. Nope, going for a place. All right. Uh, they were invented in China, as so many things have been. Mm-hmm. Um, around about the ninth century in some form, as best we can tell. Uh, the early cards that there are documented evidence of um, had sort of more instructions on them, sort of similar to uh, like community chest in Monopoly. Um, and less like numbers and, and suits and things like that. Um, cards bearing some similarity to what we know of today with uh, suits and numbers uh, first came out sort of near the end of the 13th century, at least documented, uh, still in China, mm-hmm. um, looking similar to like, uh, or used similarly to poker chips in that they had some monetary value associated with them, uh, but they were also used to play the games, um, such as the early trick-taking game Madeo. M A D I A O, which uh, in these early cards, um, there were suits, and the suits they had were coins, strings of coins, myriads of coins, and a myriad is uh, 10,000, and then tens of myriads of coins. So they're all different sort of monetary values. Um, these coins sort of you know, spread throughout the world from, from there, um, traveling through Egypt. Um, the suits sort of transformed into coins. Polo sticks, which uh, the sticks may have been sort of what the the strings of coins looked like. Um, So that may have been a a reason that they changed uh, cups and swords. And the cups may have also come from uh, the Chinese character for myriad, which looks a little bit like a cup if you turn it upside down. Hmm. So a little bit of uh, uh, just, you know, cultural change things going on there. Um, And then swords, which are basically like a more badass version of a stick, which I, I get that. Now, those are also, those are tarot cards too, right? Cups, swords. Yes, and so there are some similarities to those things as well. Okay. Um, in in Egypt, they also added uh, kings uh, and a viceroy or like a first officer and uh, a second officer sort of suit uh, or um, uh, number. Uh, 
Uh, and I then think they just wanted to play Stratego, <laughs> it sounds like. Um, that moved into Europe, and uh, they the suits changed all kinds of different things. Uh, roses, bells, hearts, pikes, things like that. I'll talk about those in a second. Um, and the face cards moved into things a little bit more familiar to, uh, to over there. Kings, uh, marshals or queens or knights, and lower marshals or knaves or what we know as today as jacks. Um, and then there was all kinds of fun etymology going about in the sort of 1300s to 1500s where um, these were being developed and sort of made and, and standardized. Um, cards uh, we're familiar with are ultimately French, um, which I had no idea. Um, uh, the hearts, tiles, clovers, and pikes. Um, today we call these obviously hearts, diamonds, clubs, and spades. Uh, spades may have come from the Italian word for sword. Um, so there's a lot of different things going on depending on exactly where you are in in europe um and there are uh, other suits that you should know that have developed and that are still sort of around um spanish and italian cards have coins cups clubs and swords german have bells hearts acorns and leaves and the swiss german have uh, bells roses acorns and shields so a bunch of different types of cards that you know, I certainly had never seen before, but presumably yeah. are prevalent in other parts of the world, uh, even to this day. Though the majority of the types of cards around are a French in origin, and what we typically know of is our, our standard deck. Mm-hmm. Um, which standard deck? Uh, 52 cards, uh, four suits um, that I just mentioned with 13 ranks, um, which often uh, are talked about as having pips, so two pips, three pips okay. um, for two and three. Say that about uh, dice. Too, right? Yeah, it's the same that, idea. It's, it's a, a pip dot on a dice. Is the, the number on the dice? Yeah. Okay. It's just a sort of a marker that means how many it is. Uh, so you have the two through the ten, the jack, the queen, and the king, and the ace. Uh, and there are other combinations of cards as well, depending on what type of game you're playing exactly. There's um, stripped decks which you take out some of those cards, or just weren't made with those cards to begin with. Um, such as 24-card uh, decks, 32-card decks, 36-40-card decks, um, depending on the game, um, where certain cards have been removed. There's also expanded card decks where uh, you add like an 11, and a 12, and a 13 card. Um, the German deck, full German deck, is 36 cards, which is the 6 through the 10, plus the face cards and the ace. Um, the standard German deck takes out the 6, so there's only 32 cards. Um, Italian and Spanish cards are 40-card decks, which is the 2 through the 7, plus the ace and the face cards. Um, so all that was just really interesting. I, I had no idea, um, that those different things existed. And, uh, finally, uh, we come to the most salient card in the deck, the Joker. Yeah. Don't, don't forget him. Don't forget the Joker. Uh, it was created for the game Euchre. Okay. Which is a trick taking game, bringing it back to the beginning. Yeah. That's, I think that's my default trivia response when it's asking about a card game I know nothing about. Yeah. I don't think it's ever worked for me. But, no, it seems but one day it's gonna. Uh, it's a it's a trick kicking game, and in around the 1860s, um, the United States uh, added the uh, Imperial Bauer or Bauer um, to the other two Jack Bowers, which is German for farmer, um, as part of a card that you know outsuits or outranks other cards, um, making it a uh, uh, Imperial Bauer. Uh, also known as a trump card, making the Joker the top trump card. And all of that seems right. 
since this card is so new compared to all the other ones as far as the design, um, it's still its style varies uh, between most manufacturers who all sort of make their own interpretations of it. Um, whereas the other sort of style of the, the the king and the queen and stuff like that have been around for so long. There's just they're in the public domain and you can sort of reuse them no matter who you are. Okay, so interesting. Yeah, I guess I noticed that that. The Joker is always, you know, it's something wacky. Yeah. It's where you can show your own personality. Exactly. Card creator. I don't know. So that is my very quick uh, dive into some of the history of playing cards that uh, I found really interesting. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, you got to think, like, if, you're, if, your cards, if your cards only go up to, like, seven, like, what kind of what games are you playing with that? Is there a different blackjack where the number's not 21 or something? I don't know. Yeah, exactly. There there are different games that are prevalent in different parts of the world that just use, you know, necessarily different numbers of cards. I guess blackjack would be really easy on a deck that only goes up to seven. <laughs> yeah, because you never go over. Yeah. Hmm. Good idea. Next time we're in Vegas, bring it. Italian? Sure. Is that what it was? 40 cards in the Italian deck, two through seven. Oh, yeah. Sneak some of those into the uh, the shoe the shoe yep. they call it yep okay yeah i got some cards trivia too all right but great thank you steve uh so yeah we're gonna do we're gonna do a quiz now um can't wait yeah i'm excited uh i think instead of mixing our questions together that was that's tricky for both of us yeah maybe ill-advised yeah maybe ill-advised uh we're just gonna gonna go should i do mine first yeah go ahead yeah i'll do my do my five questions first. Steve will do his. Uh, mine, as I mentioned, we're going to talk about some more obscure fighting games. So all the answers are going to be um, the name of a game or part of the name of a game. But uh, I'll try to give you some clues to to get there otherwise. Uh, what do you got? Uh, I have questions uh, in and around Jokers and Jesters. All right. Okay. Question one. Wanted. The name of a British new wave band behind the 1985 hit You Spin Me Round Like a Record or the 3D fighting franchise first released by Tecmo in 1996. Question 2. Either the subtitle of the upcoming Godzilla film starring Stranger Things as Millie Bobby Brown or a 1991 kaiju brawler that showed up in almost every episode of Nick Arcade. What is it? Question 3. Before Pharma Bro Martin Shkreli entered a $2 million bid for their one-of-a-kind album, Once Upon a Time in Shaolin, what group released the video game Shaolin Style, a fighting game that included a controller shaped like their iconic logo? Question 4. A Schwarzenegger sequel made from Play-Doh describes this punny subtitle to a 1995 Super Nintendo fighter. Question 5. What franchise, created by Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird in 1983, entered the fighting game Sewers in 1994? It didn't catch on as a fighter, but it's now on Nickelodeon in its fourth reboot as a cartoon. And my questions. Number 1. What even is a Juggalo? The deep lore created by the band Insane Clown Posse describes the Dark Carnival and its denizens through revealing the individuals of a deck of Joker cards. How many Joker cards are in the first deck of the Dark Carnival series, which included with their ninth studio album, The Wrath, Hell's Pit, released in 2004? Small hint, it's not nine. 
Number two, the DC character the Joker was inspired by actor Conrad Veidt's portrayal of Gwyn Payne, a man disfigured with a permanent grin who becomes a character in a freak show, a traveling carnival. In what 1928 American silent romantic melodrama directed by the German expressionists Paul Lenny? Number three, putting on all her airs, what is the name of the court jester of Catherine Parr, also the last wife of Henry VIII, and Mary I, also known as Bloody Mary, and probably the only historical female jester you've ever heard of? Number four, let's keep this one primary. Perhaps one of the most recognizable paintings in the Warsaw National Museum is of a sullen jester Stanziak, painted in 1862 by Jan Mateko. What colored jester costume is he wearing? And number five, in the major arcana of the occult tarot deck, of which there are 22, what number is given to the fool? We'll give you a minute to think and come back with your answers. And we're back. All right. So question one. Uh, wanted, the name of British new wave band behind the 1985 hit You Spin Me Round Like a Record, or the 3D Fighting franchise first released by Tecmo in 1996? Uh, I do not know, so I'm going to say Soul Calibur. Oh, it is not Soul Calibur. It is the, the name of the band and the name of the game is Dead or Alive. Oh, I had no idea. I tried to give you a little help with the wanted at the beginning there. Mm. Um, yeah. Weird name for a band, better name for a fighting game, I th- I think, but I don't know. Yeah. Uh, number two, either the subtitle of the upcoming Godzilla film starring Stranger Things is Millie Bobby Brown, or a 1991 kaiju brawler that showed up on almost every episode of Nick Arcade. What was it? I'm definitely going Soul Calibur with this one. Oh, man. That's not... Soul Calibur's like 1999. <sighs> I tried to give the years to, to sort of help on the video game thing, but... Uh, yeah, I think this is more for the for the film buffs. Okay, we're watching out for that new Godzilla movie subtitled "King of the Monsters." Oh boy, which is weird because that was a video game. It wasn't Godzilla, but it was Godzilla. Like, okay. It wasn't officially Godzilla, yeah, unlicensed black market Godzilla. Yeah, but but it was pretty much Godzilla. Um, yeah, I just remember like everyone would always pick that on Nick Arcade. Apparently, not not a very good game. 
Like I've never played it. <laughs> I think it, I don't know if it was even on like Super Nintendo or anything. It might have been, but I think they might have been playing like a, a Neo Geo or Turbo, Turbo Graphics or something. Uh, but yeah, I was always a popular pick. Uh, question three before Pharma Bro Martin Shkreli entered a $2 million bid for their one of a kind album, Once Upon a Time in Shaolin, what group released Shaolin style? A fighting game that included a controller shaped like their iconic logo. That is the Wu Tang Clan. It is the Wu Tang Clan. Um, uh, I don't know if it was included. I'm sure there was an adi- it, it was sold at the same time. Sure. There's a very awkward looking PlayStation controller out there shaped like the W. Um, iconic. Yes, iconic. Uh, I don't think it had like the analog sticks though, so I don't know if it was even the best way to play the game. But But yeah, it's out there. Uh, number four, a Schwarzenegger sequel made with Play-Doh describes this punny subtitle to a 1995 Super Nintendo fighter. Do you have a guess? I mean, say it with me. Soul Calibur. Oh. All right. What's, what's a popular Arnold Schwarzenegger sequel? He doesn't do a lot. You got Terminator 2. Okay. You got... What's uh, the subtitle of the Terminator 2? Uh, Salvation. No, that's the fifth one, fourth one, something. Judgment Day? Mm-hmm. So if you made that out of play Judgment Clay. That is correct. It is Clay Fighter 2. <laughs> Judgment Clay. All right. That's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, I, that's a fun answer, and I have, a, I have a soft spot for those games. I love it. Uh, but yeah, a tricky one. And question five. What franchise created by Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird in 1983 entered the fighting game Sewers in 1994? It didn't catch on as a fighter, but it's now on Nickelodeon in its fourth reboot as a cartoon. I'm going with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That is correct. They had a Tournament Fighters game on, I think, the NES, Super Nintendo, and Sega Genesis. Something like that. Um, yeah, they tried. Uh, I think Konami was who had... They, I mean, they made excellent Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Like, Yeah, I had a handheld... I had two handheld games yeah. uh, that were right. green and sort of shaped like a weird A that you'd play and you'd, uh, you'd battle through the sewers. Mm-hmm. The foot. Yeah. But yeah, it, I just thought it was kind of interesting. Like, I don't think Konami ever really had a big hit for for fighting. Like every other, I think all the other like big Japanese game developers all all found their their arcade fighter. But I don't know if they ever really did. They had a lot of awkward one off ones, and I'm sure they hoped the Ninja Turtles license would help, but it did not. Um, all right, what do you got? Well, great. Uh, number one, what even is Juggalo? The deep lore created by the brand Insane Clown Posse describes the Dark Carnival and its denizens through revealing the individuals of a deck of Joker cards. How many Joker cards are in the first deck of the Dark Carnival series, which concluded with their ninth studio album, The Wrath, Hell's Pit, released in 2004? Tiny hint, it's not nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. And then there was, of course, a second deck found, so they could keep They did find the second Joker's deck. Music. I'm going to say six. It is six. Great. Nice job. And this is, I mean, this is question six, if you're following con- continuous numbering. That's very true. So I thought maybe that was a clue. Um, you nailed it. But yeah, no, I read, I, I know some ICP lore. <laughs> I read an interesting book called, what was it called? You Don't Know Me, But You Wouldn't Like Me. Yes, I've heard of that. Something like that. Uh, that was about both ICP and fish. Yeah, fandoms. our friend Andrew recommended that to us, I believe. Okay. Shout out to Andrew. Hey, buddy. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I 
I think I must have picked that up from that. Number two, the DC character, the Joker, was inspired by actor Conrad Veidt's portrayal of Gwyn Payne, a man disfigured with a permanent grin who becomes a character in the freak show of a traveling carnival in what 1928 American silent romantic melodrama directed by German expressionist Paul Lini? I have no idea, so I will just say The Killing Joke. It's a very good guess because it is the name of a, uh, a one-off uh, uh, Yes. episode yeah. um it is the man who laughs oh okay yeah it makes sense pretty straightforward uh number three putting on all her airs what is the name of the court jester of Catherine parr the last wife of henry the eighth and mary the first bloody mary and probably the only historical female jester you've ever heard of i don't know if i've heard of any female court jest i i have no guess on this the answer is jane fool huh Hmm. thought maybe I could trigger something with uh, Jane Eyre. No. But it's I've, not really the Jane Eyre at all. Just the I've man. heard of the Motley Fool. But yeah, different. I don't know. Yeah, not a, lot of, not a lot of fools in my mental Rolodex. All right. Under F. <laughs> <laughs> well, number four. Let's keep this one primary. Perhaps one of the most recognizable paintings in the Warsaw National Museum is of a sullen jester, Stanchik, painted in 1862 by Jan Mateko. What court? What color jester costume is he wearing? Lauren, write this one. No. Okay. Uh, well, we're keeping it primary. That means I got a one and three shot. So I will say red. Red is correct. Nice. Nailed it. And finally, number five in the major arcana of the occult tarot deck, of which there are twenty-two. What number is given to the fool? It sound. This sounds like something I should be able to get. Uh, by thinking back to the hundreds of hours I've spent playing The Binding of Isaac. Absolutely. Uh, which has a lot of religious uh, and tarot things in it. And I think the fool is the zero. That is correct. Nice. I would have also accepted 22 because apparently sometimes it does also mark 22, but zero is most typical. Nice. Great job, Josh. Thanks. Yeah, I did. I, I, I think... Uh, yeah, the thing the thing the uh, the girls say a lot. You you know more than you think. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So yeah, that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. Um I guess we'll uh see you next year. Yeah, see you next year, man. All right. Bye. Bye.